Central Stadium, an iconic sporting venue. As part of a major fundraising drive, My Stadium Seat is offering you the chance to place your name or the name of someone who loves GAA on a seat at the Field of Legends. Packages from €100 Euro include seat naming plaques, certs of authenticity, online biographies and open day tickets. Show your support or make someone's Christmas. Visit MyStadiumSeat.com. Sample Stadium, where every name matters. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Premier View Tipperary GA podcast. On tonight's show, we'll be talking about the return of the hurlers and the footballers to action, while we'll also be discussing how the tip schools fared in the Hearty Cup quarterfinals. We also have an excellent interview from one of our two new contributors, Thomas Conway, who sat down for a chat with former Tipperary and Nina hurler Conor O'Donovan. Uh, tonight, I'm joined by the ever-present Sean Smith of Turtle Sarsfields. Uh, Stephen Cronin and Carrick Bavins. I nearly said swans there. She is. He'd have murdered me. And we have another SARS man on board because we're badly stuck in the form of uh, Jamie Barrett. How are Thanks, things, lads? All good. All good. Right, sure, lads. We'll, we'll get straight into it. A, a really bad start to the year for the hurlers at the weekend. Um, probably not one where anyone would have expected, even with the team that we had out, uh, defeat to Kerry. 17 points to 14. Um first competitive defeat and it's against Kerry, Jamie, that's, look, it's it's not ideal, is it, even though it really doesn't mean anything in the great scheme of things, but... Uh, it's not it's not ideal, you know, but I'm sure Colin Bonner would have liked to have his first competitive match a win as opposed to a three-point defeat for the first time ever to Kerry. Um, I suppose the bigger story from our point of view is Willie Connors, he's a massive loss going forward, he's a great panel member. Do you know, he, he would have been pushing hard, I'd say, for a start maybe this year with Colin Bonner because he brings work rate and and asked you that Colin Bonner would have had himself on the field. But look, it's a three-point defeat, a lot of new faces. Kerry were missing a few as well, which probably surprised us even more, you know what I mean? Um, but look, it's hard to travel two and a half hours down the road and play a hurling match in heavy conditions as well. So we won't, uh, we won't shout Bonner out yet. And it's maybe not as bad as years gone by, Stephen. Like Kerry have proven that they're a fairly competitive team all in the Joe McDonough the last few years. And they have improved. While we still would have expected to beat them, but maybe they deserve some Jews as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I suppose. Look, we spoke about this before Christmas. Does the time of the year is, and we even spoke to, did we even want to be in this competition? And uh, look, because it was competition, everybody knows about. It. But if this was behind closed doors, nobody would give a a damn about it. I don't mean that to be disrespectful to Kerry, mm. but it is what it is. Like there was a lot of new faces there, a lot of. A lot of lads, and in fairness to them, they put the hand up there, they gave it their all. But there's a lot of lads there we don't expect to be on the panel come the summertime. And uh, so, like, it was a tough day out for them, you know, to, it was a defeat in the competition. And unfortunately for us, it's just Tipperary, so we kind of, we might read a little bit too much into it when we shouldn't really, you know. I was just about to ask you, Jamie, the, how much do we read into it? Like, will it have any effect on the players going forward or will uh, they just I don't know. It, it might. It might. Um, I suppose, look, as Stephen said, not everyone's going to be part of the panel when it comes to the championship. Like, but there's a few lads would have been looking to kind of stake a claim as a panellist more so than a starter, you know what I mean? And 
doesn't seem that too many of them put their hand up, you know, which is disappointing. You'd have liked to see guys, you know, even one or two of them stake a claim, you know. The likes of Jared Brown, he'll be there or thereabouts, I think, anyway. But, like, with erratic shooting that he had last weekend, that's not going to help his case either, you know what I mean? I, 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 look, I wouldn't be panicking, really, you know what I mean? It's nice to get a competitive game. It's a pity to lose, but, look, you have to move on. If if you went down with a full-strand team, you'd be carried out the gate. We all know that, so you can't be panicking either, like. Anyone stick out in the game for you, lads, or was it a complete shit show, to put it, for lack of a better phrase? Was there anything beneficial in it for us? Well, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to see it myself. We were training ourselves, and I got home at halftime, and I wasn't paying attention at halftime for us. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I suppose I'm kind of glad I didn't see it, because even though me own self, I'm thinking, look, tis Kerry, tis January, don't get work, you'd be bullying watching it, and... So I, I didn't get to see see it now, just reading the reports anyway, so I can't really give too much on it. Yeah, same as that, Stephen. I didn't see much of it. I was watching both Egan's Snapchat, all right, but yeah, between the jigs and the reels and all his different um, statements and mm-hmm. mannerisms, I suppose it's hard to concentrate in the game. And a lot of his clips are, are were Kerry clips, to be fair. Now, he did show one or two tip scores, but like I said, Joe Brown's erratic shooting was kind of to the fore more than anything else. Um but look, I wasn't going, like yourself, I was busy. I didn't get into half time, so that's why I was catching up with Buff. But I don't know, look, onwards and upwards, you know, next next game is the league and we have to start winning, you know. Would it be harsh to judge the new lads on the panel based on just one game or do you have to keep giving them chances? Or do you think a defeat to carry is just where you draw the line and say that the standards have to be better than that? Uh, well, I, I wouldn't end that, to be honest. I like... I'd, I'd certainly give them another chance, you know what I mean? Colin Bonner called them in for a reason. He didn't call them in just to make up numbers. Now I know with COVID, he'll probably have to call in one or two, but I would certainly give them another chance. They deserve at least a fighting chance um, to stake their claim, you know what I mean? You put in one yeah. or two more season guys in around them, it makes it, it makes it a different team, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I don't think anyone should be written off after that one game because, look, I know we have back on two times. But we don't know the type of training that they're doing leading into that match, you know, and, and people react differently to it. Like, they could have had a heavy session that week. People react differently. Where I think they should be judged and where I hope they're being judged is amongst themselves when they're, on, until the league starts, when they're playing the mixed matches amongst themselves, like they're marking lads that are as good as not better than them. And, you know, if, if, if our tip training sessions are not at that intensity, where you can where you can look and judge a lad, then we're doing something wrong, and then they earn the chance in the league games by what they do on the training field, and that's where I think uh, I don't think one match you should rate a fell off. And plus, soft ground, heavy, dirty, you know, it's mulligan. It's it's this time of year, it's just all about a war basically, and you know, and if we if we were to judge players on on wars, we we probably be. We'd probably be down five or six all Ireland winners the last few years, you know. We'd have thrown them off the panel years ago. So I, I think what they do in training now for the next few weeks leading into the National League, then then they should be um then they should be judged. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned the National League there. We've we've leashed in the first game on the fifth of February. Can we see many of the new faces from that game getting another shot? How do you think Bonner will approach it? Will he bring in a few more established players, do you think? I think he will, yeah, and I think he'd be, he'd be foolish not to bring in a few established players and trying to bolster the centre of the team, spine of the team. Um, not necessarily Shamey Callan, but surely the likes of Jason Ford might get a run out. 
Ronan Mar might get a run out, you know what I mean? Um, just have a strong spine and it gives a bit of security to the lads that are there only for the first or second game or say lads are on the panel for the second year. That, you know, a bit of assurance when you have an established team member inside yeah. you. Yeah. you know? And the new lads coming into the panel, there's, there's going to be nerves there. There's going to be nerves for a long time, like you know, questions do I deserve to be here? Like, should I be here? All these things. But normally, I would look at the leash game and say, now is the time to play a lot of the fellas. But then, with the whole Kerry result, if they go out and have a tough day against leash, like to Tipperary, we're panicking yeah. then, you know. And oh, so, I, I think bring back some of the bigger, bigger names, and hopefully, they can do the business as well. But uh, in small little pods, give these lads the games. Don't throw out 12 new fel- new starters against uh, Leash. It's not going no. to be any good for them. It's not going to be any good for Tip going forward. Yeah, dead right, Stephen. I think you need to you need to kind of filter in three or four lads for every round of the league and they all get exposure. And if they get two or three matches each, well and good. But if, if you're putting your hand up, you'll probably get more. If you're not, then you won't. It's up to you to, to earn the opportunity to play as well. You know, Colin Bonner doesn't have to give you a game because he calls you into the panel. You know, simple as that, really. Like. And today was made even worse, lads, with uh, Willie Connors getting a, a fairly nasty injury. He's one lad. Look, he, he's been kind of on the fringes starting most matches uh, the last few years, but he's he's a great player to be coming off the bench because he can cover so many positions. Yeah. And yeah. with, with Niall O'Mara and Brian O'Mara gone this year, he's he's going to be a loss as the championship progresses, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, Willie offers so much. It hasn't quite worked out for him as a starter, but he's so valuable. Um, he's so valuable as part of the panel. And we see the impact he had there. Um, in when he was coming off the bench, you know, and he he like first of all, I want to wish him a speedy recovery. Like you know, this serious injury, no nobody wants to see that happen to anyone. And but I I think he's the disappointment from his own self, obviously. But he was probably looking new management here now. I'm going to stake a claim for a starting spot, and that's had to been taken away from him now with a nasty in- injury. And then from the tip perspective, we're going to be down a, a, an extremely valuable player this year for Tipperary. He's he's very very valuable player for Tip. Yeah, just yeah. his versatility and everything. Uh, we we have a few few lads maybe that you might have earmarked at the start of the year. Sean Ryan started the game. Yeah, absolutely lit up the club championship. Craig Morgan, Ryan Duty. These are lads surely need another twist. Um, they just have shown a lot of potential in the Miller Shield and in the championship to date. And we, we need an influx of younger players, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Like Craig Morgan's not learning winning captain. Like he deserves a fair crack of the whip, you know what I mean? Like Sean Ryan was top one of the top forwards in the county last year in two in shame the would say the senior A and the senior B, two very competitive competitions. And he was top scorer, giant top scorer, whatever, you know what I mean? So they deserve more than one crack of the whip, to be fair to them. Mm. Um, Owen Connolly is saying there's a few guys there that need to kind of step up a little bit now. They've been, you know, they've two All Ireland medals won at under 20, 21 level. Um, you'd like to see them start pushing the likes of Ron and Porrick and these guys. And mm. They might not oust them, but like they're certainly going to be there. We pick up another nasty injury there from one of our key players and we start to panic very quickly, you know what I mean? We have mm. cover in the forwards, I think, with John McGrath mm. back to his best, you know, and Noel seems to be hurling well. Seamus Callan moving okay, you know. So Jason Ford likewise. Like, but we need the younger guys to start pushing through. Like, Stephen, what do you think Bonner needs to address going into the league? Is it a case of just getting that new personnel in, or does he need to address the game plan, or is it a bit of both? 
what what's his priority for the league? Yeah. Um last year under under Liam I felt we were going down the route of of having a kind of a, a game plan uh moving away from for the last couple of years previous the year previous we were just hitting and hoping kind of it felt like and then we were going down a game plan route last year and it's like right we were we focus on the short pockets shorter or you know find the man that, but it just felt to me then after that phase what was next and and I I didn't I didn't feel like there was there was a a, a plan where like we know what Limerick style hurlings you can you know you see them a mile away you could turn the telly black and white and you know who Limerick are I don't think we have that Tipperary back in 2010 we had it back in 2016 you could see Tipperary a mile away mm-hmm. I don't think we can we, we, we know what way Tipperary are hurling anymore and I, I think that has to be addressed there has to be a certain style that our plan A and we know what we're doing we're going to execute it and it's up to you to stop it there, there are times you're wondering, do we know what we're doing? You know, like, it's all well and good, the, the keeper hitting a lovely arrow pass to the halfback. But what happens then? You know, and, and I, I, I just don't think we're, we're that, we're so far behind in that regard to a lot of other teams that I, I think that's something we do need to address now going forward this year. Are we hurling off the cuff, Stephen, do you think? I, I think so. Game I, plan. Yeah, I think a lot, like, I love the traditional of Tipperary. Like we, we don't we don't play let's we don't play sweeper. We don't play you know, like um we're, we're a throw we are a throwback ourselves and the Kenny is. You know, we're we're a throwback and I and I do love it. But you can still be a throwback and have a blueprint for the game you want to play. You know, like if you're going to if you're going to give the ball to Ronan Mar there the half back and he's just going to launch it up into the sky to Jamie Callan or Jason Ford every single time. That's not good enough. That's you're going too far back, too traditional. <coughs> you know, there has to be what we did in 2000 and was it 16 when Jamie got the nine points from play, was it? Yeah. We developed a game plan there that got the best out of the best forward in Ireland at the time. And we have some excellent forwards, and I don't think we're doing enough in our game to get the best out of our forwards. But uh, like, taking your point there, that, that that game plan was based on movement. And you only get movement through effort and honesty and work rate. Mm. You don't get movement through stagnation and guys standing in the corner waiting for a nice pass. Yeah. And all that honesty and effort in 2016 opened Kilkenny wide up and they couldn't do anything about it because they didn't know how to handle it. That kind of... We came back again in 19 a bit, but look, we've played two kind of COVID championships and it hasn't suited the weather and whatever excuses you want. But the attitude hasn't been there from what I could see in the forward division. And John McGrath's form was poor... 2020, that didn't help us either. He's a marquee forward. We needed him. We needed his movement and his cuteness. And, you know, when you don't have that, then other guys start to suffer as well, you know. Are, yeah. the, are the players we have still capable of playing that game, Jamie? Because we've kind of had the same profile of player since 2016, 2019. Is, the, is it a, a chance know. if they can't get around the pitch that that bit easier than they used to be able? Well, certainly looking at Jamie Cannon last year running into corners chasing balls against... Um, Waterford was absolutely pointless. I'm easily running into the corner myself. Yeah. He was never going to get them. Like, yeah. ball needs to be put in, in in front of him, take it on, yeah. and turn and go. That's that's the point. I, I'm trying. Like, yeah, uh, we're on about honesty and effort. Like, there's effort on the mile. Like, you can see the mile, but yeah. we're we're making him run into the corner, into the corner flag. That's you know, Crazy. that's not that's that's he's running. Jamie's running uh, to wherever he to wherever the ball is going. He's just working like it up. That's kind of off the cuff. 
he just that's natural work that's coming out too. I'm on about that his running should be efficient. You know, like, like if like, we're like 19, 16. That was yeah. If we're getting Shamey to run to the corner flag, you're gonna you're asking him to go to the corner flag, get the ball and come back out the field either create or or get the score. Like if you're when poking to the ball, poking the ball to the corner flag is is no good to, to our forward line. And it doesn't matter how fast or how quick or how much rotation goes on the forward line. A, a ball to the corner flag is no good. No, no. In my, in, as I believe. Like, the diagonal ball, the ball in front of you, like, the, the few ball, the few score shame you got into says they were towards the sideline, but he was he was coming on to him. Exactly. He wasn't running away from, like, you know, if, if you get what I'm saying. And he was able to, the, the angle was there for him. I just don't think like you, you can have lads running around the field all day and it could be getting the, the greatest effort in the world but if it's not practiced rehearsed and understood it's yeah. it's pointless you know yeah, how, how, how is Bonner going to approach like what like I I was as surprised as anyone when Bonner was named as the manager like like he'll be the first admit he wasn't first choice if we had to get Cattle in I think we would have a fair idea of what sort of game we'd be playing um, just a modern type of hurling running with the ball throwing it off the shoulder, just pure engines all over the pitch. How is Bonner going to approach it? Is he going to be that similar mould or is he going to be more old school again? And is, is what we need a bit more of the cattle style, the kind of Limerick style of running the ball? I, I, I don't know Do we need all the running with the ball, but I think Bonner will bring a lot of work rate because his own game when he was a player was work rate. Do you know what I mean? So it'll it'll be about attitude first and work rate. We all, we all know they can hurl. But if they can't work or they don't want to work, well, then he's not going to play them. I can't see him playing them, you know. Um, I would say, I think the likes of Shamey will start. He probably will. Depends how the league goes, I suppose. But he will play to his strengths. He's not going to have Shamey Scanlon run around the field. He'll have Jason Ford and John McGrath and Jake Morris and whoever else running around the field, creating space or creating holes. And if Joe Brown gets a start, Joe Brown's pace is frightening. So when the ground is hard, that's when Joe Brown is going to be deadly for us. Like he showed in 2019, breaking through. He eats up ground and he's moving forward. He doesn't have to be a big man. You can't hit him if you can't catch him. So, yeah, that's it. You know, I think work rate will be, like Lean Cal, work rate will be the first thing Bonner will want and, and go from there, you know. Stephen, like realistically, we could, like a lot of tip fans, you know, they, they, they want that idea that if you're not producing it in training, you shouldn't be playing, but Realistically, we could have name eight or nine certain starters come championship, couldn't we? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And like, and in fairness to the lads, they, they are they're, they're still doing the business, you know. But like, just what we want is Marky Ho now. We want Marky Ho mm-hmm. uh, pushing one of these lads out. Not that we want to get rid of, but we want Marky Ho now at, at his stage now at his age. We want Marky Ho needs to be starting for Tipperary next year. You know, not and, and not because someone that's ahead of him is lacking work rate. Mark is at this stage now where he's a young man. He is he he'll bring a lot of energy. He's very fit, very fast. But now is the time that that the likes of Marky Ho and, and, and the few boys that are around the same age, now is the time that they need to be look, let's be honest, Shamie Callan is what thirty three years of age. Thirty three, yeah. Thirty you know, and, and as as brilliant as he is. Jamie needs to feel Marky Ho now breathing down his neck, or he needs to be look. He going out and train a field, right? I better, I better be ashing now tonight because Marky Ho is looking for my spot, you know. And that's where we want all our all our players. Now, 
we're not we're not going to get we we were lucky you now we got Shamey we got Hardy Brendan Ma we got all these lads around the one time Norma McGrath. that's that's a freak phenomenon that's not going to happen again and it's not going to happen again for a long long time but if you have lads that which has gone now down to systems now and game plans if you have lads very good hurlers that can execute a brilliant game plan that'll make up for your like where the likes of Mark Hill might not be the once in a lifetime Shamie Callanan or you know if he but he'll fit a, a Bonner game plan and he has the skills and the fitness to execute that's that's where that's where I think we need it we need to have our plan A game plan perfect you know and so these lads can come in we might not, never see the like of a Noel McGrath ever again but we need lads that will be able to come in and, and try and push them off the team because they can execute our game plan or do what we want to do and they have might not be as skillful as normal grab, but they're they're talented and they have the fitness and the understanding of what we want to, what uh Con Bonner wants them to do, you know. We want all these lads under pressure next year. Mm. Jamie, you kind of mentioned Mark Yo there as a lad to step up, is there? Uh, like Jake Morris and maybe Craig Morgan, is there anyone else who do you think should be stepping up at this stage? Mark Yo is definitely one. You go back to being cast to all Ireland's the tip. Billy Seymour was someone I thought would definitely light up the scene for us going forward. Now he's gone backwards a little bit, um, which is a pity because he's big and strong and fast. You know, mm. um, Craig Morgan, Owen Conley, I'd like to see Owen Conley step forward. Brian O'Mara, if he gets back fully fit, was certainly looking like a championship starter at times last year. Um, but you never know. Um, I don't know after that. There's like there's so much talent on those two other winning teams. I don't you know, know about you, lads, but I, I, Connor Ball is on the panel this year, and I can't wait to see him in the tip. Connor Ball, yeah, absolutely, Connor Ball. Yeah, how could I forget? Yeah. Um, big, strong, mobile, aggressive as well. You know what I mean? There's a little bit of a bite in him. Mm. Uh, any of the games I've seen him in, you know, um, is a lethal finisher as well, which yeah. is what we want. You know what I mean? Mm. And if you, I thought Mark Yo was brilliant last year when he came on um, in the Munster final against Limerick. You know, I thought he heard very well. Uh, if he can step up and likes Conor Bow can start pushing forward as well. There's a lot like that's why you don't be panicking over Kerry. There's lots of opportunity there yeah. for, for young fellas to step up. You know, you have five yeah. or six league games coming up, with lots of training sessions. The season is relatively short, really. Yeah. So you're either able to impress it or not. So yeah. they have to take their chance, simple as that. Absolutely. And sure, the first game is against Leash, and we'll do another preview as we get closer to that in the next couple of weeks. Um so we'll move on to the football now, lads. Um, I didn't see it myself. I don't know if any of you seen it. There, it no, was on the, it was on. I think it was on club or was it? But they they played Limerick in the first game and they came out of that with a with the team they had out. They came out with a one point win, one twelve to fourteen points. Uh, yeah. Jack Kennedy from J.K. Bracken scoring the winner at the end. Uh, I think he scored two points in the got end. Two, yeah, got yeah, the last two to win it. Um, that was a, a a good a good result considering the players we had missing, I suppose, because we've struggled against Limerick in, in the re- last couple of years in Championship and League. Yeah, I think um, uh, we're going to. I think Tip are going to struggle this year. I think they're going to struggle. Uh, some of the the main men from down the years, some of the real big leaders, they're, they're getting older now, and which uh, Michael Quinn Living then finished up. That's going to be that's going to be a savage loss for for Tipperary going forward this year. I think uh, I think what like the Limerick is all decided. I think we're going to struggle this year. Yeah, and obviously, as you say that we we got bit by Kerry last night, uh, one twenty three to five points in Temple Tui. Uh, 
Um, I, it's hard to know how you look at that result. When you look at the two teams, Tip probably had only f- five or six starters, I think, from the championship last year versus Kerry, who bar uh, Paddy Clifford had an absolute championship standard team out. Yeah. Who's going to benefit more in the long run? Kerry beating a, a 50% strength tip team or a tip team with a lot of new faces playing against probably one of the best teams in the country? It's hard to know, isn't it? Um, like, you, you look at Tyrone were beaten by Cavan by 15 points the other day as well. Mm. Do you know, like, the Tyrone put out a weekend team? I don't know, but, it, like, it's a real back-to-earth in a situation for them, but Kerry beating the shit out of Tipperary in Temple Tui in January, I don't see that as, as a, as a I suppose, a way forward for them. Like, surely they should have been blooding new players as well themselves. They have, they have plenty of talent down there. Um, mm. Are they peaking already in January? Yeah. You know, six months to go to an All-Ireland final. Like, so, yeah, like, they brought in two players that played Sigerson Cup yesterday as well, which yeah, was absolutely madness. Crazy, you know what I mean? Like they were up playing uh, UCD, I think, in football, and drove to Temple Two. He then come on for five minutes. Yeah. Like you pick up a hamstring injury there very easily, and you're out for two months. It's just yeah. it made no sense to me, you know. Very last surprised. night, last night's game, and with the Sigerson Cup last, it's real. Um, it really smells like a. I'm manager. And I want my players all the yeah, time, yeah. and I want I want to win every game. Like, just uh, when you when you asked about um who's benefit more, like you'd be thinking Kerry have a panel, a training panel that we go back to to Tipperary and again in the Limericks, that they'll be judged on on um on, on their training and how they're training against each other. Like if they're being judged on a on a tip game and then coming up and hammering the shit out of Tipperary midweek with a very, very strong team. Like, is it all these lads thinking, right, I need my spots, so I'm going to be brilliant against Tipperary, or is it the manager? I want to win every game possible, you know, and I want to hammer everyone. As I said, Tyrone were best hammered last week. I don't know. Like I, I just hope for Tip's point of view that the next game isn't the hammer and the next game isn't the hammer because yeah. these you know, lack of confidence going into a going, going into the year ahead is nearly as bad as losing players. Yeah. yeah. They definitely need a, a ball of confidence <coughs> after the year they had last year. They have Leitrim in the first game. Um I think that's in Simple Stadium. Look, they struggled against Leeds from last year. I think they beat them up up in Carrick and Shannon. Um, so that's not going to be an easy game for them. But they need to get out of Division 4, don't they, Stephen? Absolutely yeah. have to. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Leitrim down in Semple Stadium. You know, it's a fair trek for Leitrim to be coming down. You know, What way do we do it early in the year? Are they coming down the morning of the match? Because it's probably, I say from Torless, must be three and a half hours easy. Yeah. You know, So it's a long... Long spin on a bus, then to get out, play a match. You'd be hoping Tipperary got off to a good start against Leitrim. You know, you, you'd be expecting them to. If they want to get out of the division, they have to get off to a good start against Leitrim. Yeah, so that match is on the 6th of February on Sunday in Central Stadium. Um, hopefully they get off to a good start. We're going to move on now, lads, to the Hardy Cup action there the last uh, week, week and a half. Um, we'll go back to last Saturday. Um, Turles CBS and Cashel Community School fed in the quarter final at Tip Derby there. Uh, Turles coming out on top, uh, three sixteen to thirteen points. Did you see this match, lads? No, but I was reading reports on it, and uh, I was surprised with the, with the margin of victory. To be honest, um, like Turles kind of stumbled over the line against Flannins. Cashel bet Flannins pretty well. Turles turned around to be Cashel by twelve points, and a couple of weeks later, mm. now I know Turles were fairly full strength as far as I'm aware. Mm. Um, 
but I'd say they're probably still not considered favourites or anywhere near it for the, for the Hearty Cup yet. But mm. if you look through the team, it's a, it's a very, very strong team. You know, it's as strong as they've had for the last number of years. But I'd say Cashel didn't expect that margin of defeat. Certainly, yeah, you know. Judging by the results going in, it was probably geared up as a close match. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But uh, look, they've got some... I know they're probably not as strong as like traditional teams that have won Hearties down the years, but they've likes of... Uh, Leamy there and uh, Dar Stakelum and Joe Caesar, like they're, they're good hurlers yeah, on that they're team. They're senior hurlers, like you know, yeah, you know, they're playing against young lads in a lot of positions, like so they're going to stand out. Well, they fancy their chances from here, Jamie. Uh, our scholarship, our scholarship in the semi, yeah, yeah, like they've been fairly consistent there the last number of years. Like with, with the rise of Limerick, our scholarship has been in the middle of that as well. Like, so I would say our scholarship would be favorites to be honest. Mm. But they need big games from all their big players, Orlis. Which look isn't impossible either, like, but it's a big ask. Um I'll have to wait and see, I suppose. Jack Leamy and Dara Stakeland will have to will have to be on fire. Um likewise Joe Caesar centre back was very good last day. They they'll need to be tight at the back and they need to be fairly scoring free at the front, you know. And we're joined by uh, Sean Smith about twenty five to thirty minutes uh, late. How are you, Sean? Good yourself. Nice to get to join us. Hi, got, got caught up late right. afternoon, then it all came on top. <laughs> did, you, did you see the Turtle CBS game? Didn't know. I was meant to, went to go get a ticket, sure, and just sold out. And then mm. went to log in the stream and I come from my car details. So I just gave up. Um, what, what, how do you fa- find their chances, Sean? They've got all good old team there. Good nice. old team, but they're kind of coming on the radar a bit, I think, this year, to be honest. Um, I've only seen them once. And, like, they could get run out of the winner, but then. If you don't, it's not kind of a surprise either, you know. So, nice mix of players there, fair turtles, and they're coming from all over the place. But well, against Irish Skull, it's always, it's always going to be a tough battle. But just going back in the point there, I thought Cash would have a better score than that. Like, just my following the score line, I kind of surprised Turtles and I got ahead so early and kept lead and extended again, you know, which was, I didn't see that coming. But it's good to have Cash that great and they'd be a bit stronger in the years to come for sure. And they're the Last school left with the flag flying in the uh, Hearty Cup, Mina. CBS played De La Salle yesterday there in Bench. I was at it. Um, really disjointed performance from them. They have a decent team on paper. Like they, they pushed their school reach to nearly, they nearly beat our school reach in the first game. Um, other than Sean Kennelly there in the forwards, really they didn't have much of a punch. I think they only scored three points from play out of the 16 points they scored there. McCarthy scored 12 frees and they scored a sideline as well. So, De La Salle looked a, a lot better team. The Paddy Fitzgerald was playing for them. He was been he was the talk of the town there the last couple of weeks after Belly Gunner. Apparently, if he was uh, of the age, if the if the grade wasn't changed for minor, he'd have been on that Belly Gunner team, which is just frightening enough. And I I I seen him then and again. He's he's a, he's a class operator. He's centre forward there from um so they're absolutely churning out quality players in Belly Gunner all the time, aren't they? Um yeah. but look. Uh, Turles flying the flag they've already scored reaching the semi-final and uh, De La Salle go into the other semi-final against uh, St. Joseph Tulla uh, which is their first time in, at that stage which is a great achievement but just one thing lads before we leave it last four the Hearty Cup um, no Cork team in it that's that's a bit of a surprise Stephen isn't it uh, they've, yeah, been, they've yes. been very strong at minor for the last few years yeah um, it's a strange one alright but I, I, I suppose it is, it is a credit to the other schools you know getting their getting their houses in order getting their work done and and uh getting better and getting stronger and not leaving it to one dominant uh, area like yeah. i suppose it's just 
good for hurling overall that there's more teams competing. And uh, unfortunately for Cork, they're nowhere to be seen this in these semi-finals. There's no harm. <laughs> right, lads, we, we'll go to the under-21 county final. We'll preview or we'll review the semi-finals first. Uh, Stephen, we'll stick with you. So, Mullinahone, you have a man playing centre-back there. If he had a good win over Capawai Gales, who probably, that was their first match of the year. So, they were coming in a bit cold. Um, <laughs> it was a good win for Mullinahone. Good win for Mullinahone, yeah. And in the county A, in, um, uh, under 21A uh, final is, is brilliant. Brilliant achievement for Mullinahone. Like they, they wouldn't have the biggest pick. You know, they're, uh, they're relying on a few lads that their, their main men would have been under 21 three or four years ago. You know, so like they're they're relying on on lads that different age groups to to make the under twenty one. So it is it is a it's great it is you know it is brilliant for them. Um, they had a good tough game in the semi final or in the south final. Sorry, leading into it as well. That would have done them the world of course in a in a in a cold old day over in, over in, over in the Swan Field. Uh, I'm not sure the name it was in the Park Nahali or something. Um, but they had a really good game against St Mary. So Capoy coming in cold wouldn't have done them any favours and Mullinahone had a real tough game going into it and so they'll um, you know they'll have a right old crack at my khaki now and it should be a, it should be a cracking final Did Kappa White look a bit rusty on the day or did it, were they slow to get into it? I was to be honest um, oh, sorry I, on that match no I, I, I didn't get to that match and I didn't I, I'm at the losing me report on it so I, I'm, I'm searching there before the team started. I was losing my report in the South final and, uh, and, and the county semi final. So, you know, um, ter- terrible uh, amateur. amateur There's some me. good operators, though, on that Mullen team. Obviously, you have Conor Whelan centre back there, uh, Martin Keogh, uh, the other wires, Mikey O'Shea. Like, yeah, the, yeah. That, that's a fairly good spine of a team. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, look, I know it's biased, but Conor's the key, I think, at centre back. And, uh, just uh, the the couple of points on um the south final I think where they turned they, they St Mary's did everything they could to avoid him and even bringing the the centre forward all the way out the field and uh, it 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 was working for him it was working for him but as Connor grew into the game then in the second half especially like Mullahone they're devils for keeping the scoreboard ticking over and they went in at half time I think five or six points up. You wouldn't have thought, you know, St. Mary's are very good in the first half in the final. But uh, in the second half, they put a man in on him and he dominated. He dominated the game. And then you have Martin Fogarty in midfield. Who, Martin Fogarty is a senior hurler. You know, we've a couple of years, he's an experienced, very experienced hurler. And uh, he he really came to the fore in the second half. They just they really took over. Mikey O'Shea, I thought Mikey O'Shea now was a little bit quiet for, uh, for my liking, you know, and... As I said, last we noticed, they had a corner forward. Um, geez, I can't, his name escapes me. But in the first half, when Mullinahone were under pressure, he was brilliant. He oh, was no the go-to man. Oh, no Dwyer, no? Could have been no Dwyer. The yellow helmet. Uh, yeah, I think he was yeah. Yeah, and he, he, was, he was outstanding. He was a, but just, they just work. They just work and work and work. And, you know, and I think um, where, where Mike Harkey might probably be favourites, Harlem wise, they certainly won't outwork Mullinahone next week. Yeah, so we, we have Mike Carkey, as you say, in the final. Uh, they had a, a very tight win against Killadang, and it took a last minute Kyle Shelley goal in literally an injury time to, to do the business. Jamie and Sean, uh, did you catch her a bit of this, or did you hear much on the grapevine after? 
Uh, I was talking to a lady yesterday, yesterday morning, you know, who, who wasn't very hopeful. She's a McCarthy woman to the core now, and she wasn't very hopeful for the weekend because she said they have a couple of injuries. So I didn't hear anything other than that. I'd be very surprised. I'm sure it would have been nationwide news at this stage. But now I know they lost Kevin Hayes to a cruciate last year, which is a, Kevin would be a big loss. He'd been playing probably centre back. He'd a mm. county minor, county under 21. Um, so, but that look, that McCarthy team is a super team. It's their great white hope for the last couple of years. They've won everything up along. Um, but look, as Stephen said, you can't beat work rate. If you can't outwork one on the own, it doesn't matter how good how good they are. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You, if you don't have the ball, you can't score. Do you know? So look, I don't know. It's hard one to call. Um, from as a neutral, um, you'd like to see them on the home with it. I don't know when was the last time they won it, Stephen? Have they ever won it? Um. Kelly went back then. Surely run the ballpark when the two Kellys were there, yeah? Yeah, uh, I think so. We had the stats there. We had all the stats there a little while ago and he said the notes are gone. I had, they had it all. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Dorn, yeah, please, terrible. please invite me back. <laughs> you're, the, you're the first person to ever have notes on this show, don't worry. <laughs> I don't I don't remember them winning, to be honest. Now, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but uh, I'd say it's a while ago since they did win it, if they did win it. Um you know, look, you'd love to see a new club win it. McCarkey, I'm sure, have, have their eyes on it as the next step forward for this panel of players. Um, they're, they're a team that's definitely coming, that's for sure. You know? have I, did, did I read a, a one on Premier View that this McCarkey team haven't lost a game since 14? Yeah, that, I'd say so, yeah. They're beating us in the county final under 14 and the county semi-final under 16, that team. I did they win the minor the county final? Did it? Yeah, one day, one day, and drum won the beat. Like, oh, it's a phenomenal. That's phenomenal going for yeah. any team. So like they've been, they've been on the go, and they just know how. And to be honest, judging when, at that game against Killadang, and they were getting, I'm, I, I won't say it, but the, the ref has been very hard on them the whole match, and they were kind of up against it for the whole thing, and they just stayed going. And to be honest with you, they were full value for the win. Um. I know the last minute goal was a bit dubious. Uh, Kyle Shelley looked to have fouled the keeper. It was kind of a loop and ball, and the keeper got stuck in the ground in front of him. Kyle Shelley came in and steamrolled him, to be honest, and uh, knocked the ball into the net. But they, they have a very good scatter of players. They have lads that can hurl all over there. Jack Fallon, their midfield, was very impressive. Um, Max, sure Max, Hackett, Hackett. Yeah, Max Hackett was quiet. Um, He's another man to step up for tip, hopefully, in yeah. the next year or so. Dara Butler from Kiladang kept him very quiet and was kind of hanging out of him the whole match. But um, they're a very solid team. There's not really a bad hurler there. And Kyle Shelley, in fairness to him, now was their best player on the day. He scored two or three points from play and he scored that winning goal uh, when they were up against it. So, um, very good team, Sean. And they'll be hard to beat in the final, won't they? Yeah, and it's talking to a neutral rest now. He was the first man. So, he'd be fairly neutral. He goes the ref after the road, McCarthy. He mm-hmm. said the worst for Thursday. And this lad now wouldn't be fond of McCarthy either. You know, so... Because nothing here is ours, man. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> if goes, they're worthy for a win, like, should have been a couple points even more ahead and not did. But they've bet everything in front of me. Like, I thought they struggle. I mean, they're not struggling with me, but I thought teams would have kind of come up to their level, to be honest. Mm. Holy Cross drummer says we haven't, to be honest. So that's kind of this point from our point of view and other clubs. But they've kind of went the hard way about, like, winning a tough media look at it beating the North Champions like it's no they'll yeah. earn it beating the Killer Dangan team that are winning left right and centre and they don't know yeah. how to lose matches so it's yeah. 
It'll be hard for Mullinahoe in the final. I, I'd probably fancy my car to myself in the final. It's on in Golden, is it? It's on in Golden. On, it's, on sun, it's on Saturday at half one Saturday, in Golden. Saturday, right, yeah. For Golden, there's a carp out there. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's lovely. It's awesome. Awesome. So that, it should be a good game. I, I fancy my car to myself in that one. Who, who do you think will win it, lads? Stephen, you're obviously going for Mullinahoe. Well, uh, I don't know if I'm going for him, but I just it's in the DNA. They just don't stop. You see with the senior team last year, um, going up against Barsley, nobody gave him. Nobody gave them a hope. Mm. And they scared the shit out of Barsley. They, they, this crowd, they, they just do the right things. You know, they work so hard for each other. And although Mikey, Mikey O'Shea might be, let's say, he might be the star in the forward line. It's like as if they're all, they're all stars, but they're all workers. You know, if, if, the lad, if one lad is in the best position, he'll get the ball. Mm. You know, and they just tap it over. I've, I, I, I played Mullahone down the years, and I've never seen a team, even when I go watch them in the South, Never see a team as good as him to just keep the scoreboard ticking over, you know. And they have own Kelly over him, and that's what he's telling. Keep that scoreboard ticking over, you know. And it just it, the, the more times they'd come in and you'd be thinking they haven't done anything in the game, but they have ten points on the board without you knowing, you know. And, and I think, I, I think that's where look, to to, to my Kaki are probably a better team, but I would not be surprised if Mullahone pull it out of the fire. Okay. So, uh, you know, I give because amazing my Connor's on there, Mullahone. I'm gonna go with Mullahone. I'm sure the two Sarah's boys are shouting for my Kirky Burris <laughs> all out with the flags and bunting hanging out and everything. Oh, without a doubt, <laughs> I'm painting the house tomorrow red and yellow. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, you fancy him, do, do you fancy him to win it, lads? I would, yeah. I think I, I think they know how to win games, like you know what I mean. They're winning so consistently over the last number of years. They'll know how to grind out a result. I'd have to say McCarthy probably going to win it. Yeah, I'd be the same thinking as well. But again, it's the final hurdle. And as as Stephen said there, like Mullahan against Bursley came in not in fear. They just keep ticking that scoreboard over. But McCarthy by a few, but like it's going to be a dogfight, to be honest. Yeah, um, we'll go on to we're, we'll move slightly away from the under twenty one, but not completely. Um, we've seen there during the week, lads, Cash under the under twenty one appeal was uh, rejected by the West Board or the County Board. Um, they released a statement then. It was pretty loaded. Um, they reckon that they've been hard done by. Um, what do you think, Sean? Um, I, is this the right decision or do they have a case? I just think it's just parking. Get like, to be honest, they're not going to go back and play the County. Same. That's done. Like Play the West and whatever. But like, but here are so many things and even their statement they brought my face with there the day of the game being given a walkover. That was kind of a bit not silly, but kind of, you know, I didn't really think spur the moment. And some of the comments on Twitter and Facebook since were kind of fucking stupid. You know, like you could have done it a better way. And as some people kind of weren't, it's actually Cash's best friends during the year either. So, you know, there are a lot of people against them. But if they've right to, if they feel like they're being hard done by and everything's done by the book, fair enough, investigate. But otherwise, park aside, like. What do you think, Jamie? Is this is this just uh, take your medicine now? Just with things think, the way they yeah, are? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's a case of take your medicine. Nothing's going to happen from here on. It's like arguing with a referee. It just doesn't change his mind. You know, I think the, the appeal went in. It wasn't successful. Sorry, lads. We just have to move on. You know what I mean? There's no point getting tied up and not over it. But um, we just move yeah. on. And probably the team to lose out most is cap of white Stephen and all this they didn't get to celebrate actually winning an OS final and they went into a county semi-final completely cold 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, you would feel sorry for him. Like, that's this is under 21 grade, last ever underage hurler for a lot of them lads. Mm. You know, awarded the final and awarded the final, as I say, went in cold and the next, like, they, they probably feel that if we had that West final played and we won, we'd be in a better position going into the semi final. Mm. So, like, they, they, it's, it's, the title to them now is, has, it's, it means nothing. It, it doesn't mean much to them at all, like, you know. But as, uh, I, I agree with Jamie there. The, the decision was made, the appeal was large, large, and they didn't win. Just it's time to move on from it now. And you said there, so there's two teams affected, like there's Catboy and Cash the both lost out from, you know, like mm. when you look at mm. overall, like, you know, so it's no knocked on there. And you say, as in, if Catboy that game against Monahone going different or even win the final, lifting the cup, having the celebrations, like it's, you know, lads looking forward to. So kind of ruined. Yeah, yeah. Around 50 oh, absolutely. There, you know, like. absolutely. I think Castle felt they had a case, Sean, because they've had a lot of bad press recently and you're just thinking to yourself, if you if you were pulling the dark arts here and trying to get the match off, like just just hold your powder and just take your medicine because it's like they're they're under the under the cosh all over the county. People people have their eyes on them for the last year with all the transfers going in. So they just kept the head down and just accepted it. Yeah, they seem to have grown a seat in the boardroom this stage, really, on the appeal yeah. Not his kind of, it's just, yeah, if me, have kept a head down the first few days and the game was given a kind of work behind the scenes, maybe, and get it on, like, I don't know what was said in boardrooms and appeals, you know, you won't even know, but it's kind of, as you say, get on with extra. Well, just disappointing, kind of finish the year for a grade that's no longer like. Yeah, it's a pity, lads. I was at that game the other day, and it's, it's a fantastic grade, Jamie, and it's, it's it's a pity to see the end of it for the for the moment anyway. Um, it's it's given nothing but entertainment over the years, hasn't it? Yeah, look, I'm saying it for years, and uh, it, I think it's quite possibly over the last number of years has been the best grade. Um, I take senior included because there was so many hammerings there for a long time. Mm. The under twenty one grade going back over the last number of years, like it's, it always seems to be played at the worst time of year with the you know the fittest, most mm. skillful hurlers playing in in the muck and the shit like. Yeah, you go back. My own father was involved with the Sarsies back in the late eighties, and they won a county under twenty one Christmas week or the week after Christmas. Like so, nothing has changed in thirty mm-hmm. years, and now they've just decided to get rid of the grade, which is absolutely madness, if you ask me. Yeah. The, 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 the grades should never been changed in the first place, but mm-hmm. get rid of twenty one grade is just crazy. Yeah, fingers crossed that won't be the end of it anyway. In the next few years, maybe it'll be. But the problem is, people are sent to the board to the meeting, not knowing what they're voting. At. That's the problem. The club yeah. decided, but the club yeah. saying fucking Johnny Ryan, they need to vote on whether they want one grade or two grades at that at nineteen twenty. They need to pick the correct grade. They picked nineteen. So, like, I just think clubs aren't prepared for like we had our own discussion above them in the club. But you know, but a lot of clubs mightn't have had a discussion at all or even told that going voting what they're voting on. Like, yeah. this is the problem in this county, and the county board were happy with that because if they're pushing so, it, they're happy out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone else not knowing what's happening either. So it's. It's going to be looked upon again, but if it's fought again tomorrow, and it will be unanimous to keep. That's the problem. That has to be kept. That has to be kept. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Thomas Conway. I'm a new contributor, but I'm happy to join the party. And more importantly, with me this evening is m- multiple All-Ireland winning uh, Tipperary hurler, uh, former Nina County title winning captain Conor O'Donovan. Conor, you're very welcome along. Thanks very much, Thomas. Thank you very much for having me on board. Yeah, now, obviously, you have a very accomplished career in the game, but specifically the issue we want to address here tonight, 
you've raised it in the media in recent years, and that is the rule of the hand pass. Uh, can you just explain to people uh, your arguments, why you, what you think, uh, the issues you think which the hand pass is creating, and the proposed rule change which you're advocating for? Right. Well, if you like, uh, Thomas, even to go back as far as 2008, I was watching an All-Ireland Camogie final, junior Camogie final on the television. And uh, one of the teams, it was Clare, scored a goal later on in the game. And by way of the player was standing virtually on the goal line. And to me, it looked like they threw the ball into the net, but it's obviously deemed a hand pass. But to my reckoning at the time, I thought that looked like a throw. And the, so the goal was allowed. Now, I actually raised it, believe it or not, at that time, a few weeks later, with um, a senior official in Crow Park. Uh, I highlighted it as a possible issue going forward and maybe and asked if uh, maybe the Hurling Development Committee at the time might maybe have a look at it because I put forward at the time a, a possible solution to this problem. And there was a bit of toing and froing with this senior official in Crow Park and uh, he assured me that the Hurling Development Committee would consider my proposal, but look, nothing ever came of it. Uh, roll on a few years then, around 2017, I began to notice that there was a bit more and more what I looked like uh, throwing of the ball going on in terms of if you like an illegal hand pass and yeah. wasn't really being penalised by the referees. So as a result of it not being penalised, I felt it was starting to creep into the game more and more. So I had a look at the um, the, the, the rules, uh, the technical playing rules of the hand pass, um, mm. let's say in the GS technical reporting rule book. Yeah. And there are two rules, if you like, governing the hand pass that will state that it's a foul. And one is rule 4.2a, and it states that it's a foul to throw the ball. And rule 4.2b states it is a foul to hand pass the ball without it being released and struck with a definite striking action of the hand. Yeah. And um, I began to notice that more and more players were actually, they, they were offloading the ball from the same hand that the ball was in. Uh, and it, to me, there wasn't a clear striking action happening. So that was in an effect that was a throw. So it was in contravention of both these rules. And well, in other words, you feel it was damaging the integrity of the game, basically. Is that well, what you're saying? It's, it's, it's damaging, first of all, um, the integrity of the rules of the game, right? Mm -hmm. um, because the rules state it's a foul, basically, to throw the ball. So obviously somebody along the way, somebody I, I would imagine in a, in a coaching uh, position, uh, identified, if you like, the potential weakness of these two rules and how they could be exploited to good effect by players and teams accordingly. Uh, that you know, obviously it's quicker way, you know, to offload the ball by way of throwing it than to engage in a clear striking action with the hand. So are you suggesting teams are are willfully exploiting the rule that they're they're setting out to to throw the ball, so to speak, or or make a very subtle motion? Uh, I, th I think the fact that it's happening more and more often um, 
Thomas, and players or teams are getting away with it. They recognise that they're getting away with it. Uh, I think it's fair to say they are doing it deliberately at this stage. Now, I, I, and, and if like uh, an example, an example of this really is I've been speaking with uh, some coaches uh, of underage players over the past while. I've been speaking to a number of coaches. And they've been trying to stress to their players, they're, they're under sixes, they're under eights, they're under tens, that it's a foul to throw the ball, right? And the message they're getting back from those players is, well, hold on, sure, all the top players are actually throwing it and getting away with it, all right? So now yeah. those, those coaches are caught in a tricky situation. They're, they're, they're now, if you like, in a conflicted uh, they are conflicted. Do they encourage their players to throw the ball or do they stress on them to continue to try and hand pass the ball properly? And if they do that, continue to stress to them to continue to hand pass the ball properly, they're actually putting their players and their teams at a competitive disadvantage. Okay. Right? So, that, you know, that's an issue then going forward. We can come back to that shortly. We'll come back to that shortly. Yeah, sure. Yeah, obviously there are developmental issues there but I'm just wondering how prevalent do you feel it is do you feel that this is just has become a common feature of inter-county hurling or is it prevalent in club hurling as well it is prevalent at inter-county uh, inter hurling at all levels Thomas is prevalent at uh, club hurling at all levels and is prevalent uh, I hear anecdotally in schools and colleges hurling Huh. Right. So, you know, it and unfortunately, it is quite obvious that the rules as they currently are, are unenforceable by the referees. They're clearly unenforceable. Uh, a case in point would be where you have a player in possession of the ball and you have you have other players positioned between that player and the referee. So the referee's view of how the player in possession of the ball has offloaded the ball from the hand is obstructed. So how can he tell uh, if that ball was hand-passed, we'll say, legally or illegally? So he has to basically make a guess on it. And in, in that instance, it's like as if he's officiating the game blindfolded. And, and another, another example of where the referees are, if you like, uh, unable to see how the ball was offloaded is is if the player in possession of the ball um, has his back to the referee. So now the referee's view of the ball in the player's hand is clearly obstructed as well. So he can't tell how the ball has been offloaded by that, by that, by that player, how it has been hand-passed, has it been done legally or illegally. So the referee has to make a guess then effectively, and sometimes he'll guess it rightly, sometimes he'll get, get, guess it wrongly. Now, I do think that that is unfair on the referees, but also unfair on the players, that you have that situation where the referee has to guess whether the ball has been hand-passed legally or illegally. Right, so yeah. That's, yeah. Th that's why I started giving this issue some thought, um, and I, I, I tried to figure out, would there be a way to uh, rectify this manner or the, 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 this problem in a manner that was fair and 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 easy to implement. Hmm. And so I then, if I like, devise or came up with a, with the wording of a rule. Now, so like 
upon discussing this issue with different people, some people would have been saying to me, look, the best thing to do is to ban the hand pass altogether. Okay, but you're right? not for that. Uh, I think that's a bit extreme. I don't think it's necessary. Okay. All I, I, I've come up with a, a proposed solution that will just, if you like, ban one aspect of the hand one, one aspect of the hand pass options that exist. And that would be, uh, and I'll give you the wording that which I presented to Crow Park last August. All right. Yeah. The wording that is that he will state that it is a foul to either hand pass the ball or palm the ball directly from the same hand that is holding the ball. Right? Okay. So now, yeah, yeah and, and you have you have in fairness provided visuals uh, video footage, which is quite helpful. We'll put it up, I hope, with the podcast, just demonstrating uh yes. the rule which, which you've outlined. But yeah, no, proceed. Um right, so I'm not then I'm not then uh saying to ban the hand pass altogether. What I'm saying is it's simply a foul to either hand pass the ball or palm the ball directly from the same hand that is holding the ball. Now, how players adapt to that rule then after that is up to themselves, all right? Uh, some people simply, are, 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 you know, of concern are, are, are kind of interpreting that I'm saying that they have to hand pass the ball with the other hand. That's mm -hmm. not the case. There are other options available to players to do that. But if they want to hand pass the ball from the other hand, as the video clips I forwarded to you have demonstrated, it's quite simple to do. When you're looking at it, if you like uh, engaging in a two-handed hand pass of the ball, it's simply a case of transferring the hurley from the hand that the, is already holding the hurley over to the other hand. And it's mm. quite simple to do. And that's, a, that's one skill, hand pass skill that would still remain, along with multiple other hand passing skills. But we're seeing fewer amounts of those these times, um, Thomas, being executed because players are by and large now, you know, hand passing the ball from the same hand that the ball is in, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and lead, leading to quite often being, being true. Yeah, and you've obviously invested a lot of thought into it. And, and, you know, they are very interesting proposals. What strikes me, I guess, and I think what will, uh, what a lot of people will be thinking is, you know, is this an inevitable consequence of the, the tempo of the modern game? The fact the fact that things have just become so fast and furious out there that it, like a, a, a change such as this could could damage that factor, you know, could slow down the game, uh, if not intentionally. How, how would you respond to that? I could say possibly one or two things there, Thomas, right? Uh, first of all, as things stand, the way the game is actually being played now, with it being hand-passed so much, the tempo of the game has actually slowed down. Okay. Believe it or not, the tempo of the game has actually slowed down. Because right. um, it's a, now, a short passing game, essentially. Is that it? That's it. And the ball is effectively, it's not been struck by the hand. Okay, we say prior to the throwing of the ball becoming more and more commonplace, Generally, when a player got the ball, he looked to strike it with the hurley and move it on straight away. Central Stadium, an iconic sporting venue. As part of a major fundraising drive, My Stadium Seat is offering you the chance to place your name or the name of someone who loves GAA on a seat at the Field of Legends. Packages from €100 Euro include seat naming plaques, certs of authenticity, online biographies and open day tickets. 
Show your support or make someone's Christmas. Visit mystadiumseat.com. Sample Stadium, where every name matters. Connor, I have to say, you're slowly winning me around to your argument, but let's let's pick up where we left off. The question of Rooks and, and Malise in the game and, and the impact which the hand pass is having on that. What are your thoughts on that specifically? Yeah, specifically, I do believe the, if you like, the illegal hand pass now, um, or if you like, the hand pass from the same hand that the ball is in, is contributing quite significantly to the formation of these rooks, as we call them, in hurling now. Um, because if you like, what's the primary goal of players these days is to secure possession of the ball. Now, if the ball is on the ground, uh, and the player who's forced to the ball, what he's doing now, he's standing when he gets there and ro- roll lifting it, or at least attempting to roll lift it. And in, you know, in standing and pausing for that moment, it's allowing other players to come in and tackle him and pre- like prevent the ball from being lifted into that player's hand. And more and more players pile in onto it, and they're all then trying to roll lift the ball. Okay, and, and it's, if you like, then you have all this, this cluster of players there and the whole thing becomes a rook. Now, what's happening there as well is it's, it's contributing to the pace or if you like the tempo of the game slowing down. Okay. Now, if, if you like the rule that I'm proposing to be introduced um, was introduced, I would see a, a significant reduction, if not a complete elimination of these rooks. Because then, if you like, the, the focus then of the player who's running to the ball on the ground will be to jab lift it on the run and stay moving with it. All right? Because the, if you like, the option won't be there so much anymore uh, if he was to get the stand, uh, be standing there and get the ball into his hand. Um, the option to throw it out to, mm. if you like, a teammate mm. won't be there. All right, because of the cluster of players, whereas now the focus then will be on to stay moving with the ball when he jab lifts it, jab, jab lifts it on the run and stays moving. Okay, it's an interesting point. I can see what you mean. And I suppose it's important to state again that, you know, we're, you're, you're not proposing uh, outlawing the hand pass. There still will be an option there to, to hand pass the ball. It's just the technique or the motion will be, will be different. Well, you see, there are... You know, there, there, there's plenty of other hand-passing options in the game, Thomas. There's over six uh, hand-passing options, maybe up to eight as it is in the game, all right? Mm. So all I'm proposing is that one element of that, that those hand-passing options be made illegal, or if you like, to be made a foul. And in doing so, in order to help the referees be able to determine if a foul was committed or not. Because for the reason I outlined earlier, uh, their, their view of the player in possession of the ball is sometimes obstructive or their view of the ball in the player's hand is also obstructive. And they, they have to engage in guesswork to decide if the ball was hand-passed legally or illegally. Okay, so, so what I'm doing is I'm making it easy for the referees to adjudicate on this oh. issue. Okay, right. take your point. Yeah, take your point. I'm now, just thinking though. Yeah, yes. okay. Go on. Go on. Well, well, I was going to say as well, uh, I, I do believe it's also a significant contributor to a lot of fouling in the game at the moment. Mm. Uh, when a player gets the ball into his hand now, uh, there's a, a strong tendency to take on an opponent, all right, to run into the tackle mm. in the hope of engineering a free. 
All right. So if perchance the referee doesn't award him a free, or if he can't break clear of the tackle, all is not lost because he can still just offload the ball to a teammate who's running in support. All right. And that's an area then, if you like, that uh, has, if you like, has been impacted by the illegal hand pass. Okay. And, okay. and what, I'm what I'm proposing now is that if the my rule was introduced, I think players in possession of the ball would now think twice of running into the tackle because it will be much more difficult for them to offload the ball if they're tackled and they're not being awarded a free by the referee. Yeah, I can certainly see that. Yeah, I, I can see your point of view. I, I think I think what a lot of people might fear, a lot of people listening, um, they might sense, would there be a danger that you could it, it unintentionally eliminate the hand pass from the game? I mean, I, I, you know, even though it may still be legal, but the fact that it is it is maybe more difficult to um, uh, to pull off that it would lead to an elimination. I, I'm thinking of off the top of my head. I, I I'll pick what Noel McGrath in the All Ireland final back in 2010. He played Lar Corbett in with you know this beautiful hand pass kind of mm -hmm. turn around. Keen Lynch, you know, a lot of his play revolves around quick hands and that. It, it, people will probably be wary of that threat, but you don't think that will happen. You you think without without introducing this rule, the game will will continue to slow down. The rocks will continue to deteriorate, and your rule will will uh, will amend that or will rectify that. Well, okay. The two areas I've spoken about there, the rocks and the running into the tackle. Okay, they become if you like byproducts of the illegal hand pass. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, the fundamental issue here is this. Players are now throwing the ball, yeah. okay, which is a foul. And the reason they're throwing the ball is because they're offloading it from the same hand that the ball is in. And you use the term there, quick hands. Quick hands are fine, Thomas, but if you're throwing the ball, that's a foul. Mm -hmm. it, it might be quick, but it's a foul. End yeah. of. Okay, so yeah. it's a, it should be a free. So referees are being asked in a lot of instances to guess whether the ball was thrown of whether it was properly hand-passed, all right? And, in, and, and having to guess is unfair on referees, as I've said already. It's also unfair on the players. That should not be the case. It, the, the, you know, the rules should be clear-cut and they should be enforceable. Okay. And the, current, the current rules of, in relation to hand-passing are unenforceable, regardless okay. of what anyone says. And the word I'm getting from Crow Park is that Central Council will be writing to all the hurling counties this year to tell them that uh, the officiating uh, referees in games will be encouraged strongly to enforce the rules, the hand pass rule uh, for the coming year. Now, you know, I'm a small bit dismayed at that because that in effect uh, means that it's just going to be a continuation of the same. Now, in 2019, I appeared on RTE 61 News, raising the hand pass issue. Mm. Also, also on that segment was Willie Barrett from Tipperary, who then was the referees hurling de development committee um, chairman. 
Okay. And Willie was asked about the problem with the hand pass in the game. And he said that they, they the, the committee, the referees development committee were encouraging all referees to start being more vigilant on this issue. Okay. okay, so now, back in 2019, the GA decided that they would, you know, try and take firmer or sterner action on the illegal hand pass. But what has happened? Nothing improved in 2019, nothing improved in 2020, and nothing improved in 2021. In fact, everything, the whole thing has just deteriorated. So, as I say, I'm a bit dismayed to hear that the GA are basically looking to continue with the way things are, um, rather than take decisive action on trying to fix this problem. Right, so cl clearly you're quite frustrated with, with the central, central authorities, really. Is that fair to say? Uh, I'd be disappointed um, about that, Thomas. No. So I have written to Crow Park and asked them to, if you'd like to ask the Central Council to reconsider their decision and to give my proposed solution more serious consideration with a view to putting it forward to Congress for it to be voted on. Now, I haven't got any feedback from Crow Park as of yet, but uh, I think it is just illogical for the GA just to continue to do the same thing and expect you know to achieve different results when the last three years have shown that's not possible. Right. And I sense I sense from chance you off air that that one of the most important aspects of this to you, and I think in fairness, a lot of people will share this view, is the question of of underage players and the development of players that if something isn't done quickly here, uh, it will lead to the rule being abused by, uh, you know, youngsters coming up and through the ranks. That that is particularly important. Well, that's that, that that's a major issue going forward, Thomas. Like as thing as things stand now, the young hurlers who are, as you say, the future of the game, they are receiving mixed messages about the hand pass, both verbally and visually. Mm. Verbally, and if you like, rightly so. Their coaches are telling them it is a foul to throw the ball. However, visually, they're seeing all the adult players in particular, and also those at inter-county level, and particularly the games that they see on television, they're seeing them throwing the ball the whole time, and they're not being penalized. So straight away, they're receiving mixed messages. All right. And like, so it's like this, whatever happens in inter-county games will be copied by hurlers in club and college games. It is called imitation. It is how most skills are learned and adopted. The child imitates the star, the young adult imitates the star. The stars make the skills look cool and trendy. And right now, they're getting away with throwing the ball, and that looks cool and trendy to the youngsters, regrettably. Okay. So I think I think it is in, seriously incumbent on the GEA as a national sporting organization to address this issue and resolve it decisively. You can't have an organization the size of the GAA uh, allowing mixed messages 
to be communicated down to all the ranks and down to the under you know to the very underage down to players under six. We can't add that allow that to continue. Okay, well, whatever about the GA at administrative level, have you sensed? Do you get a sense anecdotally that there is desire to change this rule from speaking to players, managers, even you know coaches of younger age teams in particular? Is the desire there? To implement such a, a rule change because it would it is pretty fundamental. Uh, you know the hand pass has been a, a feature of the game for forever, really. So th this is a fundamental rule change. Yes, it is. But once again, it's it, you, you know it's a small rule change that would have a huge beneficial effect, right? Now, um, during last year, I spoke to a number of former hurlers. Just let me say, I did not speak with any current players nor any current coaches or managers because that would be unfair to them to put them in an awkward position. Yeah, fair enough. Right? Okay, so, because you could, they couldn't be seen to say, yeah, the hand passing or the throwing of the ball is a problem because then that would mean that their players and their teams would have to be curtailing it, which would be putting them as a, a disadvantage, competitive disadvantage. Mm -hmm. So I spoke with a lot of genuine hurling supporters, but I also spoke with a number of former inter-county hurlers who are not involved with any teams. All right. I'll give you some examples. Uh, Eddie Kerr of Kilkenny, um, Noel Lane of Galway, Justin McCarthy from Cork, Michael okay. Cleary and Declan Carr from Tipperary, Joachim Kelly from... Uh, awfully, Desi Donnelly from Antrim, Peter Murphy from Galway. These are all former inter-county hurlers. They won all Ireland medals. They received all stars. There's even a couple of all Ireland winning captains there among them. And all of them signed a petition in support of my proposed solution to this problem. And that's I, and when I re uh, reached a target of, I set myself a target of 100 signatures. And once I got 100 signatures, I delivered it to Crow Park. I delivered my proposal along with the petition of support signed by all these people. Okay. All right. Because they are very much in favor of two things. They see the hand, the throwing of the ball as a problem, but they also see my proposed solution as a viable solution. Okay. Yeah. And they're, you know, all big names from order yourself. I suppose, and in fairness to you, you've addressed this in, in other interviews. People are going to be inclined to say, well, and forgive me now, I'm, you know, this is just a yeah. bunch of this is just a bunch of old lads. You know, they they want the game like it was in their day. Th that's the argument that I'm sure has been leveled at you. So, how how would you respond to to people who make that critique? Well, first and foremost, let me just say that they weren't the only people who signed the petition. A lot of just you know general hurling supporters, people who may may, may never really played the game, uh, but like watching it. And they despair at seeing the ball being thrown in hurling now, right? Mm. See, despair at seeing it being thrown and also not being penalised by the referees, all right? Mm. So if a foul is being committed, it doesn't make any difference whether, you know, the, it's people who are retired from the game who are calling it or whether it's the genuine supporters. If a foul is being committed and it's not being penalised, the problem has to be fixed. Okay. okay. End of story. The problem has to be fixed. It just can't be let. I put it like this. It for me and a lot of people. Okay. It is a constant distraction 
which takes from the enjoyment of watching a game of hurling being played now. That's what right. it is. It's a constant distraction. And not just for me, but hurling followers all over the place. Okay. Well, well, you mentioned that you didn't expect change to come this year. Certainly, there has been no indication that there will be change. Looking towards the future, I mean, do you see a prospect uh, that, you know, that your campaign will, will be listened to or will be, uh, will be adopted by the central authorities? Can you see that happening or... You know, is your position um, a grim one at present? At this point in time, I, I retain a little bit of hope that the GA might take on board my solution, my proposed solution this year and have it submitted to Congress to be voted on. If not, we're going to have a, continue, a continuation of the same this coming year in in, in, in you know, in the hurling scene. Uh, but I will continue to endeavour to build more support for my proposed solution and endeavour to have it submitted in due, you know, in subsequent uh, or to subsequent congresses down along the line. Because the situation as it is, uh, Thomas, is unsustainable. You, you know, you just can't let the throwing of the ball continue indefinitely. And it would be very irresponsible of the GAA to do so. Uh, so inevitably, a change will come. Inevitably. Now, as you say, I can't say what it'll be this year, next year, the year after, but inevitably, the, a, a, ch a change will come because the amount of people um, who are becoming more and more aware and conscious of it, of this, uh, you know, rule infraction, as they call it, mm. uh, is growing. Okay. And they're starting to make their voices and their feelings known about it. Okay. So I, I just can't see how the GA can continue to ignore it indefinitely. Well, look, Connor, it's been a fascinating discussion. I, I have to say, I'll be honest, I was sceptical coming into it. You've sort of won me round. Um, you know, I don't know what others will think, but we look forward to hearing, uh, to hearing their feedback. But it certainly is a, a fascinating topic. And, you know, we really appreciate you coming on uh, and chatting to us here. So thank you very much for that. Thank you very much, Thomas, for having me on your show. And um, uh, maybe we might speak again in the future. Uh, so all the best for now. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks a million, Connor. Bye-bye. Well, that's all we have time for on this week's show. Uh, stay tuned to all our social media channels for our minor football and hurling teams of the year. And we'll be back in the next few weeks to preview the National League campaigns and the rest of the action in Tip to Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Tipper Arnabu. Thanks, guys. Good luck. Good luck, guys. Cheers, boys.